we are so grateful that you are joining us today. We, as a community, pray that the Lord will refresh you as you hear today's message. If you would like to support and further the work here in the city, please visit us at www.oasischurchchicago.com or download our app, Oasis Church Chicago. Now, here's today's message. Wow. You guys realize what we, uh, the presence of God is in the room right now. Whether you've been a part of church, like I said, whether you know this, right, we're experiencing the goodness and the presence and the peace of God, or whether this is your first time in church and you're experiencing this, this is his spirit. It's a spirit that gives life. It's a spirit that gives hope. It's a spirit that gives joy in the midst of everything else in the world. In the midst of all that's going on, whether it's in your life or the lives of those around you, this is good. And the reality is it doesn't just happen here in church. This is beautiful. Like what we experience here is the body coming together, the body of Christ, worshiping him and praising his name. But the same spirit that we're experiencing right now is in each of us as believers. And he goes with us. And so it happens here and it happens in the world. And today that's what we're celebrating right, with baptisms too, celebrating the life and the joy and the peace and the goodness that we have now in each of us to take it to the world. What I'm talking about today actually in this, in this message is, is being the salt of the earth. This is exactly what Jesus is talking about in this passage. Being the salt of the earth means taking his spirit, being seasoned with every good thing from God and carrying it into the world so that we can be world changers not just participants in what's going on in the communities around us, in our families, in our friendships, in our workplaces. Amen? Amen. So I'm going to open us up today. The uh, passage for today is Matthew 5, 13. Uh, this is in the ESV. And it says this. Hopefully it's on the screen there. There we go. You are the salt of the earth. Jesus speaking to you, to us. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. Let's pray. God, this is your word for us. We thank you that it is true. We thank you that it is pure and it speaks life, Lord. We thank you, God, that your word never returns void. That if we listen to your word and that we believe in your word, God, we will be blessed through it. Your word instructs us, God. It gives us hope. It gives us the path, God, for which you want us to follow and which you want us to walk. So I pray now, Lord, as we spend these next moments just diving in and understanding what you have for us, that you would speak clearly. That the words from my mouth, God, and in my heart would be yours. God, that you would just reveal yourself to us today in greater ways than ever before. We love you, Lord. We're thankful for Jesus, for the work that he's done for us, God, coming out of Easter weekend. We celebrate, Lord everything that you've done for us and all that you've given us, God. We love you and all God's people said, amen, amen. Well, uh, today, the, the, the title of my message is There's the Flavor. I, uh, <laughs> I know it seems kind of funny, but if you guys are like me, which you gotta be honest in doing so, we all love a good flavor, right, in food. And today I'm talking about salt, and the reality is, one of the best things about salt, probably the best thing, is that it gives flavor, right? 
food without salt doesn't taste very good. I've had some recent food experiences. I am no, by no means a foodie, but you can tell by my reaction if I taste something really good, right? We kind of all get that like, wow, like you respond in that way where something is so good, uh, you say, there's the flavor. You might yell it out. There's the flavor, right? Something like that. I don't know. I'm trying to think of that. It's not that funny, but you guys know. I know you react this way when you eat really good food, right? Amen. Amen. It's good. Um, salt is a seasoning, right? Uh, I, I think it's by far the best seasoning God has made. I don't think there's any shadow of doubt about that. It's why salt is on every single table in the world. Um, I also love hot sauce. Hot sauce is on many tables, so it comes in a close second. Pepper's on many tables too, but I feel bad for pepper because it makes people sneeze. Um, it's, it's absolutely not required in most foods. Can you imagine if every food was seasoned with pepper instead of salt? Ugh, it'd be terrible, right? But somehow it still made it to the table. Um, <laughs> Uh, but, but God knew what he was doing. I love, I love the Bible, and I love how God thinks, and I love how God reveals himself to us, because God, uh, okay, let's take this, like, let's look at this. Christianity as a religion, or like the Jewish faith before Christianity, if you read the Old Testament and then you read the New Testament, uh, could be perceived by some, especially if you're new to the faith or you don't know a lot about Christianity, it could be perceived by some as just this like foreign strange kind of out there book called the Bible that's got this like kind of mythical tale of a God and of people, right? And uh, I, I totally get like if that's how you perceived it or you've perceived it that way in the past or that's how the world perceives it. But the reality is, is that like the more you dive into it, the more you see that like God is very real. And God teaches us through things like science, through, through principles that exist in the world, like things that actually scientists and other world faiths and religions agree on, a lot of the same stuff. Like a ton of the stuff in the Bible, old and new, is actually very similar to what other faiths, other world religions, other uh, civilizations going thousands of years back believe in, right? The one difference is that we serve one God. There is one God, and there is one Savior, Jesus Christ, who saves us from our sins. That is the difference. But the reality is, is that God teaches us through principles. And something like salt has been around for thousands of years, and salt has been a very valuable commodity to people and to civilizations for that same amount of time. Uh, in addition to salt being so delicious as a, as a flavor in food, salt is also used as a preservative, right? So another food that's amazing and that kind of had a super hype in like the last five years, I feel like it's coming down a little bit, is bacon, right? Maybe uh, kale has surpassed bacon in some ways. It is definitely the healthier option, but I don't know. I still love bacon way more. Uh, it takes a lot of convincing for me to eat kale, but bacon is so good. Number one, because it's loaded with salt, but number two, because pork on its own, in my opinion at least, once again, doesn't taste that good. But bacon is loaded with salt. You add a little fat to it. And the cool thing about bacon is it's, a, it's what's called a cured meat, right? So it lasts a long time. Like bacon can preserve. It preserves from the salt. It also tastes good from the salt. So salt has these two qualities, right? It seasons. Uh, it makes things taste amazing. It puts the flavor into it. And it also makes things last. We read about this uh, in the Old Testament, right? If we go all the way back. God actually, Jesus is not the first one to speak of being the salt of the earth, like bringing salt in as an analogy to teach his people. God established salt as, actually, as like a, a much bigger deal in the Old Testament. Uh, and it's called the covenant of salt. So I want to go through this real quick with you guys. This will really help us understand then how Jesus pulls us all together and what it means for us as a people today. So in Numbers 18, 19 through 20, it's not on the screen, um, but if you have your Bibles, feel free to join along. I'll read through this quick. 
we learn about the covenant of salt and what this means for God's people in the Old Testament way back, okay? It says this, all the holy contributions that the people of Israel present to the Lord, I give to you. Okay, so this is God speaking to uh, Aaron and the high priesthood. The high priests were the people uh, who were called out by God, separate from his own people. They're like out in the wilderness. They're moving. They're starting to establish their own civilization. And the priests are the ones who God calls to bring the sacrifices directly to him. So only the priests can enter the presence of God and offer sacrifices on behalf of the sins of the broader people, right? So let's say you guys, like, you're all the Israelites, and uh, let's just say me and the people up here are the priests, right? Just for this analogy. So God's speaking to the priests, and he says, all the holy contributions that the people of Israel present to the Lord through you, I give to you and to your sons and daughters with you as a perpetual due. So God is blessing these priests for doing what they're served and called to do. It is a covenant of salt forever before the Lord for you and for your offspring with you. And the Lord said to Aaron, you shall have no inheritance in their land, talking about all the people, neither shall you have any portion among them. I am your portion and your inheritance among the people of Israel. Whether they realized it or not at the time, this was a much better deal for the priests who he had called out in that moment of history. And he established it with a covenant of salt. Why? The two things we just described. Salt has amazing flavor. It's really good. People love it, and salt preserves, and it lasts. And God knew this, right? Because these people would have known the same things we knew. Like back then, salt actually in history was, a more, was one of the most valuable commodities of all. Salt used to be actually traded as a currency in some nations because of how valuable it was for health reasons, like for, for food, for sanitation, for preserving, for purifying, for flavor, right? Um, and it was scarce at times as well. It would have been this way in this time thousands of years ago. And so the people hearing this would have known, like to them, salt was a huge deal. And it meant that the flavor was there, that the preservation was there, and God is establishing, and he's saying, don't look at the portions of those around you. Don't look at the things the world's looking at. I am your portion. I am your inheritance, and I am going with you now, and I'm going with you all the way to the future for your offspring and beyond, all the way up until the arrival of Jesus. We read a little bit later on in the book of 2 Chronicles, right? So we're kind of, I'm just blasting us through the Old Testament like I like to do. 2 Chronicles 13.5 says this. Ought you not to know that the Lord, the God of Israel, gave the kingship over Israel forever to David and his sons by a covenant of salt? God gave Israel the kingship over Israel to David and his sons by a covenant of salt. If you guys know anything about what we just celebrated right, with Easter and you look back into the genealogy of Jesus himself, David is in his genealogy, right? This is a promise that was made to David through his offspring that, that our Savior, the Messiah, Jesus Christ, to save the world would come through the line of David. And it continued and fulfilled the covenant of salt, right? God's promises fulfilled, starting with Aaron, starting with the high priesthood who were bringing sacrifices, Bloody sacrifices, like the bloodshed of animals to cover the sins, was then fulfilled through the line of David, which was then fulfilled through the birth of Christ and the death of Christ and the resurrection of Christ, which sealed it once and for all. No more did the, did the priests or any of us have to make the sacrifices. Christ fulfilled the covenant of salt that was established by God for his people once and for all by his death on the cross and his resurrection so that we could have life 
and experience that today. Amen? Amen. So the key truth that I have for us today, and we'll dive in now. So, so, so hopefully that gives you an idea, right, of, of the understanding of where we've come from, this idea of covenant of salt, and why salt now? When Jesus is telling his people, he's speaking to his disciples, he's speaking to us now, we understand why it's so important. And we actually understand that not only uh, is this an, a good analogy, right, that we can relate with, um, but Jesus is fulfilling the covenant. And he's fulfilling what was prophesied thousands of years, hundreds, thousands of years before him in the Old Testament up till now. The key truth for us today is this. In a world that's decaying and worthless, void of peace and full of darkness, Jesus has called and equipped us to be salt and light, used to season and purify the world we live in. There's one way that the world can look different, and God still intends to use his people to bless the world more than ever before, because the reality is in the very beginning, God created all of us in his image. We are all now created in his image. God had an original plan for the world that was perfect, that was seasoned with his spirit in us. When Adam and Eve were created, they were literally created with the Spirit of God in them. But when they sinned, the Spirit of God had to depart because God can't be where there is sin. God cannot sin. And until we receive the Spirit of God back, literally the Holy Spirit of God, we are apart from him. And that is where the world stands. And we are called now to be salt, to be light, to be the Spirit of God to the world because they need his Spirit again. That is why we exist as a church. That is why we exist as people. That is what Jesus is teaching his disciples in this passage. So my first point for us today is this. Don't settle for less. Before I read this, I want to give you guys another kind of hint at where I got the title for today's message. And it's found in the message version. And I have it in here. Here we go. I think we have this on the screen as well. Yeah, this is good. Okay. Let me tell you why you are here. You're here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. Look at that. Like sometimes, <laughs> right? Now you know, there's the flavor, right? It's like sometimes the message, I, I, never mind. This is awesome. I love this. That's why I wanted to include it. You are here to be the salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? You've lost your usefulness and will end up in the garbage. <laughs> right? Can you imagine, like, eating a hot dog without salt? Oh, terrible, right? Hot dogs are kind of gross anyways, but whatever. People can bear them. People can bear hot dogs. All right, I'm getting distracted. Here we go. This is good, guys. This is good. Um, first point. All right, let's get back on track. Don't settle for less. That's the point here. Don't settle for less, Right? If you lose your saltiness, if salt loses its saltiness, which in and of itself is probably impossible, but for us, the analogy plays out, we're, it's like useless. Like, we're just going to be, we're, we're just like everybody else. We're just like our own sinful selves. And that's what Jesus is saying here. Salt without flavor is worthless. It'll end up in the garbage. When people were paying, like, an arm and a leg for salt back in the day when it was worth so much, can you imagine if you got something that just, like, didn't do what salt does? Like you go to put it on your food or you go to preserve that meat that you expect to last for two weeks. You come back a day later and it's like rotting and tastes terrible. You'd be pretty upset, right? So when Jesus calls us to live a life and to be the salt to the earth, to be seasoned with God flavor, 
He expects the best for us. He expects us then to stay that way, right? But the sinful nature in us, the, maybe it's the pride in us, the fear in us, the comparison game in us, is that we're always looking at what's going on in the world around us. And many times what is going on in the world around us is, is tempting. It looks really good. It looks like salt. It looks like it's going to have that flavor that you're seeking after. It looks like someone's going to tell you that you need that in addition to what you already have. They're going to tell you you need that more than what God has already given you. And especially the enemy is going to tell you that. He's going to tell you that you don't have enough already. He's going to tell you that Christ didn't do enough for you. It's absolutely not the truth. That is garbage. That is garbage. So let's throw that out, right? Let's, let's think more about throwing that out and saying, get back, get behind me, enemy. I don't believe that. I know what God has given me is the best for me. It is the best flavor. It is the thing that's going to last, and it is the thing that's going to carry me to eternity. Let's stop settling for what the world gives, because the world's going to leave you just as helpless and empty and hopeless as you were before you met Jesus. It's the reality of it. Jesus knows this. This is why he, he says things like this and so many others in the short amount of time he had with his disciples on earth because this is so vital for us to live out the calling that God has put in each one of our hearts. So what does this look like, right? Before I move on, what does it look like? If we're not gonna settle, if we say don't settle for less, what should we settle for? And I don't even wanna say settle for. We're not really settling for it. We're striving for it. We're living for it. We're seeking for it. And these are the things. These are just some things summed up that Jesus tells his disciples. Number one, be filled with the fruit of the spirit. What are the fruit of the spirit, you might ask? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Tell me anyone in the world who doesn't want those things. We're all seeking those things in something else anyways, whether it's in the Christian faith or some other faith or some pop culture thing or some song, some music, some movie, some club, whatever it is, people want these things. We don't want anger. We don't want spite and harm and hatred and disrespect. There's all sorts of movements in the world which I think are really trying to solve the same thing. They're trying to find love. They're trying to find unity. They're trying to find peace. But when they do it with methods and when they do it by ways that are led other than those of Jesus and those of the Spirit of God, they might get close, but they're not going to get there. We find these things in the Spirit of God, and the fruit of the Spirit comes by seeking Him, by receiving from Him, by spending the time each day to be filled up with Him so that your life exudes these fruits, so that people see it in you, and they stop looking at all the other things in the world they were chasing after. And they say, wow, when I talked with him or her, I find these things. Where did they get that from? And it starts that conversation, right? That's what being the salt of the earth is. That's what being the flavor, God flavor is for us to the world. Secondly, love one another. And this is not just our Christian family. This is the world. It's hard sometimes just to love our Christian family. Let's be honest, right? We all go through it. We all have problems. But we got to love the world. We can't get so comfortable here in a box to love each other because in some ways it's easier. It is easier to love each other here, right? We have at least a common belief. <laughs> That's a big thing to overcome. But if you're out in the world meeting with someone, whether it's in a workplace or, or your neighbors or your own family members who don't believe what you believe, it gets a little harder, right? And you don't have to have all the right words. Hear me on this. 
I think we need to be careful as Christians sometimes on approaching the world or approaching non-believers with a bunch of words. Because sometimes a lot of words are going to do more harm than they will do good, especially if that's how we start. I would encourage us, I would challenge us to start with love. We need to love one another. And when we love the world with the love of Jesus Christ, they won't deny it. They might push it back. They might fight against it, but they can't deny it because the love is true and the love is real. And the love shines through when God, God's power is being revealed in and through us. My third point for my first point is this. Live in peace with those around us. I said that really fast. Live in peace with those around us. This is the last part. And it's, it's really that simple. We have to strive to be people of peace, especially in the church. One of the, one of the key themes that's repeated most often in the New, New Testament about the church is unity. We have to be unified here as a body, as a church, as a family before we can go out and bring peace and bring unity to the world. Amen. So I pray that for our church. I pray that this church is always unified. I've heard too many stories. I've seen it too many times when the church falls out of unity because of disagreements. And I pray to God that that never happens here. But that takes each of us getting involved to make that happen. That takes each of us playing our part to love each other, to seek peace, to seek the unity that God has and has called us to. And then we need to go out and do that to the world. Second point is this. Is this good? You guys following? Tracking? Good. Stay the course. Walking with Jesus is no walk in the park. It just isn't. I'm not going to lie to you. But walking in the world is no walk in the park either. (laughs) Walking with Jesus is better, but it's yet no walk in the park. When trials come, what's your foundation going to be built on? Because the minute you make a decision to follow Jesus, the enemy hates that. The enemy is going to take everything he was trying to attack you with before and double it down, triple it down. He's going to come in hard. And the world's going to come in hard on you. But what are you going to do? Where is your foundation going to be built so that you can last? Remember what salt is. It's a preservative. God made the covenant of salt because he knew it would last. And he knew people would get that. They would understand the lasting impact of salt. And so when we're salted with Jesus, when we're salted with that God flavor, with the power of his spirit, not only does it give us the flavor that people see, and the thing that people desire, the fruits of the spirit that people desire, but it lasts. And we have to go back to God and we have to continue to be filled up with him so that it lasts. It comes from seeking him. It comes from chasing after. It comes from a hunger and thirst for righteousness that we find in the word, that we find through prayer, that we find through worship. But we have to keep fighting the fight because it doesn't get easier. It just doesn't. Until we die and go to meet our maker in eternity forever, we're here on earth. And the earth is a hard place. The earth is a broken place. But we are called to rise up as God's army and be filled with his power, a power that does last and a power that that not only lasts until that day when we go home, but it lasts through eternity. See, everything we do now also is storing up for us, says in scripture, storing up for us treasure in heaven. These things are taken to eternity. Those are the things that I wanna fill my life with. Those are the things I pray and hope that you guys want to fill your life with. And that's what I'm talking about here. In Romans 12.1, I think Paul does a really good job. You guys are probably familiar with this verse, but there's a word in here I want to I focus on real quick. Uh, Romans 12.1-2 says this, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. 
Offer your body as a living sacrifice. Do not conform to the pattern of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This is where I want to focus. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. What does it mean to test and approve? Similar verse to, to, to Matthew 5.13, which is our key verse today, is in Mark 49. Mark, uh, when, he's, when he's describing what Jesus says here, also uses this phrase called, everyone will be salted with fire. That means everybody will be tested. But if you're filled with the salt of God, you will last through that test. God will see you and he'll say, there's my presence on behalf of Jesus Christ. Jesus has stood in the gap for that person. They are saved. But everybody, the reality is everybody will be salted with fire. Everybody will be judged for eternity. And in this passage in Romans, Paul says, then you will be able to test and approve. So there's a similar term here. In the Greek, what this word, test and approve, or or translated otherwise, may discern, means finding out the worth of something by putting it to use or testing in practice. I'm just gonna pose a question. If you were to go out in the world today, and just get taken through the ringer. Like, throw the worst situation you could possibly imagine at you. How would you respond? How would you respond? Because that's the reality. Each of us are gonna be tested every single day. But I pray that when I face those moments, I pray for us, for you, when we face those moments, and when we're tested, we come out filled with light. We come out filled with the glory of God like we were at the beginning, and we make it through because of where we've established ourselves, with where we've put our hope and our trust, so that when we're tested, we're filled with the Spirit every way through that moment, and we come out, and it becomes an opportunity to praise God for carrying us through, to praise God for what He's done, not what we've done, because if we focus on what we've done, it's not going to have the same result. You're going to come out beaten and broken and put down, and we're going to receive you back. The church is going to receive you back. You'll have the time again. God will pick you up. He'll carry you through. He forgives. He's a God that forgives. Amen for grace, right? But we should strive to make it through those moments filled with the salt of God that's going to carry us and that's going to preserve us. Ben can come up as I get to the third point here. Last point is this, right? So let's recap. So far, don't settle for less, right? Don't settle for what the world gives. I can tell you guys. I'm young. I got a lot of life ahead, Lord willing, hopefully. But like stuff I've experienced already, I can tell you, it's all garbage. I keep getting drawn back into it, right? I'm not perfect, but I hate it. The world gives us nothing good. God gives us everything good. I'm 100 for 100 in times when I look to God and and, and take what he has for me. It works out every time. It's perfect. I can't deny it, right? Don't settle for less. Number two, stay the course. Third point is this, let the world know. This is what I love about today. This is what I love about a baptism service. We're letting the world know. These people in the room, you know what? Raise your hand if you're getting baptized today because we should just celebrate right now again. Yeah. Amen. You guys, you people in the room, you guys are letting the world know today of the goodness of what Jesus has done in your life. This is what it's all about. Baptism's like my favorite moment to let the world know. It's so beautiful. It's so amazing because you know what Jesus has done for you. You know what he's done in your life and we're celebrating that with you here today. I saved this verse until the end, Um, but if you guys know this verse, if you're familiar with reading this in Matthew, Jesus doesn't just say, you are the salt of the earth. What does he say after that? Anybody know? You are the light of the world. 
So he does salt and light, right? He pairs these analogies together. And I want to read this for the third point because this is really the piece about letting the world know. Matthew 5, 13 through 16 in the message says this. Here's another way to put it. You are here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. I love that. God flavor in the world, God colors in the world because colors shine. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this. As public as a city on a hill, if I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? God's not a fool. Like, he knows what he's doing. Why would he do that? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I've put you there on a hilltop, so he's not just putting you in a valley where no one can see you, right? I'm putting you on a light stand. I'm putting you up there. I'm putting you up on the hilltop. Now that I've put you there, shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. Shine. Be open to others. By opening up, that is how they will see the God in heaven, the God who loves us, the God who saved us. They're not going to see it if we just hide under a blanket, hide under a bucket, lock our doors in our house, stay inside, only share with our closest friends, only share with our family. That's all good. It's good. We need to love our families. We need to show the love of Christ to our own families, to the people closest to us, to our coworkers. But we need to show it to the world. Because there's not much time, guys. People are dying every day who have barely even heard the name of Jesus, let alone passing by people who know Jesus but maybe didn't have the boldness to show them that love. Time is too short. We have to let the world know. How do you want to be known? Do you want to be known just as a, as a good accountant, a great doctor, someone who could do the procedure a thousand times out of a thousand times perfectly? Those things are great. We all got to work. We all got to make the bills. We have families to raise. But when I say, how do you want to be known? It's, how do you want to be known as a person? How do you want to be known in your spirit? Do you want to do all those things? And people say, well, he's always angry. So it's great that he does it, but I don't really like being around him. Or do you want to do those things with humility and with compassion and with joy in your heart? and love in your words and in your thoughts and in your attitudes towards others so that you shine with God color. So that when people see it, it stands out because that's the reality. The world can't deny the spirit of God when you come in pre into the presence of the spirit of God. It's what we experience when we worship here, when we lift up his name. You just can't deny it. You can't. The presence of God is so much greater than anything the world gives. And so we have to let the world know. Don't settle. Don't settle as a cheap knockoff. Don't pursue some other faith or some other lofty idea and thought that might seem like it's supplemental to Christianity. There is nothing supplemental to the word of God and to what he desires for us. Stop trying to pursue it. The only thing you have to do to let the world know is to be the light that God has raised you up to be. Just let him work and move through you. That's it. That's all we gotta do. We just gotta live. We just gotta be humble. We just gotta go before him on our knees every day and say, God, I am your instrument. I am your servant. I'm here to do your will. Fill me up with your light. Fill me up to be the salt of the earth. Fill me up to have the flavor that people are gonna desire. And then when they desire it, what does it say? They open up with God. They see God, they find God, and they open up to God. 
and he receives them in. That's all we gotta do. That's our calling as believers. When Jesus says, be the salt of the earth and the light of the world, he's calling us to be used. We're not salting ourselves. We don't have to come up with it. I could never create salt. Praise God that he did once again. It's so good. But all we have to do is just be seasoned with it. And all we have to do as light of the world is just to be the light. God does the rest. We're not going to save people. I can't save you. I can't save anyone else. Only God can. And when Jesus says this, this is the idea he's trying to impart to his disciples and to us today. Trust me. Trust me with your life. Trust me with your deeds, your words, your actions, your thoughts, and let me do the rest. That's the key ingredient to making this work, guys. To be the salt of the earth and the light to the world, we have to trust God. And that's it. So today, we're celebrating that. Because there's people in the room today who have made that decision. One way or another, however they made it to God, I don't know everybody's story. But for each of us who have made it, who have seen it in somebody else, or who have found it in the word, or who have found it in the church, and we realize, and we say, I have to have that. I have to have what God has for me. And you receive salvation, you're forgiven of your sins, and you are filled with the salt and the light that God has for you in his spirit. There's this energy that starts to form, right? There's this energy of like, I gotta tell the world. And that's what we're celebrating today. And these people have made that decision. This is monumental, guys. Because I believe that from this decision forward, for these lives and for, for lives who have come before, who have been saved and baptized, that God is going to light you on fire. He is going to make you that light on the hill. You are going to shine brighter than ever before. Not that you haven't before, but I truly believe there is a biblical principle here, guys. That when you get baptized, you're lit up. It's good. You want to shout it out. There's the flavor, right? People are going to start shouting that out too when they see your witness, when you go out into the world, set on fire for the goodness of God and what he wants to do in and through your life. So I mentioned it earlier. I told you I was going to mention it again. This is the last thing I'm going to say, and then I'm going to pray. We're going to have these people come up. If you're in the room today, and you know this is, if this is you, if you have made a decision to follow Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life, and you love Jesus, and you know who Jesus is, you know what he's done for you, but you have not been baptized. We don't do this every Sunday, guys. So when we do, it's, it's important. I just pray right now that you would seek God and pray and consider if you too want to be baptized. We have plenty of t-shirts, shorts, towels. We got it all. The water's warm. It's ready for you. But if you want to be baptized today and you've not told us yet, it doesn't matter. In a, little, in a, in a few minutes, I'm going to call the group up just step forward as well. You can come up now. Today's your day. Don't wait. It's like what Ananias said to Paul. Why wait? Time is short. Why wait to let the world know? The world is, is ripe. The harvest, the harvest is, is ripe. It's ready for us to go out, to be filled with the joy and the love of Jesus, to season the earth around us, to show his light. So I'm gonna pray to close us today. And I'm going to invite this group up. Dear Jesus, we thank you, Lord. We're thankful for your words, God, for the truth that we find in Scripture, Lord God. We're thankful for this calling, God, knowing that it's not light, Lord, and we can only do it by the power of your Spirit, God, to be the salt of the earth, to be the light of the world, Lord God. And so I pray today, Lord, that as we go from this place, we would be encouraged. God, that you would fill us with your Spirit to do this. 
and not our own. We know we can't do it on our own, God. I pray that you would give us the courage and the boldness to be the people you have called us to be, God, to continue to fulfill your plans to restore the earth, to restore your people, God, that your spirit would return to the lost, God, to bring them home. We are your people, Lord. We're thankful that you've called us as your children to be your own, Lord God. And so I pray today you would just fill us with more courage and boldness and strength and joy and the fruits and the power of the Spirit than ever before, Lord God, to go out and to make people want to desire what we have, to let people see the light and the goodness of Jesus in us more than ever before. We praise you, God. We love you, Lord. We're thankful that we're about to celebrate the greatest thing that can happen in anybody's life, God. We're about to celebrate salvations. We love you, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.